0: I'm not necessarily an outdoorsy person. I love being outside. I love seeing and experiencing nature, but outdoorsy, no. However, when students are around, I will push myself because I made a vow to do and try anything they were doing or trying, within reason, obviously. I will make a fool of myself to build relationships with them and earn the right to be heard in their lives. If they're going to go cliff jumping at camp under proper supervision from camp staff, then I'm going to go cliff jumping. If they're going to rappel down a mountain at camp under proper camp supervision, then I'm going to rappel down a mountain. If they're going to hike up a mountain, I'm going to hike up a mountain and later refer to that hike as the death hike. If they wanna sleep in a hammock under the stars on our last night of summit, I'm gonna tell them to come into the cabin. One of my favorite outdoorsy activities with them though is whitewater rafting. I've gotten to do it many times, but my favorite time was a few years ago when my best friend was also at camp with me at the same time. We made it our goal to make our girls friends with each other throughout the week and that included our trip down the Arkansas River. The official guide on the trip asked where we wanted to sit in the raft. She explained that the workload in the front of the raft is heavier and the workload in the back of the raft is a lot lighter. We told the girls that we'd be willing to take the back of the raft so they could have the full rafting experience. We weren't even given paddles. We just sat there and let them guide us down the river. We trusted them. We trusted our guide. We knew our guide knew more about the river than we did. We knew our guide knew where the drop-offs were, where the river was calm, where the rapids were, and how to maneuver through them. We fully trusted our guide. We are in a study in the Psalms right now. The Psalms reflect an outpouring of the heart, an outpouring of a raw and vulnerable emotions to God. But always end- with the declarative trust in the guide, no matter what life circumstances are happening. Our psalm study, Say Anything, is meant to help us understand more fully as followers of Jesus what it means to bring our whole selves to God, to be fully authentic in his presence, to fully trust him. Today, our elders read from Psalm 25. In this psalm, the author, David, gives us permission to ask, show me, show me, God, where to go. Show me how to do it. Show me your ways. Show me your truth. This outpouring of the heart cries out of surrender and declares, our ways aren't the ways. And proclaims full trust in God through continuous companionship with him. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Psalm 25. I'm going to put a little bit more context around the verses that the elders read to us. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you, Don't let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Scholars don't really know when David wrote this psalm. They don't really know what specifically was going on in his life, what compelled him to sing this psalm. But they do know a a few details around the writing style of this psalm. First, the psalm is an acrostic. Every line of the psalm begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. David created a way to memorize this psalm to be able to recite it easily. Charles Spurgeon notes that this psalm flows between prayer and meditations. The first seven verses are a prayer. The next two are a meditation. This rhythm ripples throughout Psalm 25. David's point in this psalm is focused on a lifestyle shift of consistently being led by God, It is not only for a specific instance, circumstance, or decision. The Hebrew words for ways and paths in verses 4 and 5 mean many, not one. It's about relying on God for his wisdom. God's guidance isn't self-serving. It's not a verse on a graduation card. It isn't quick or biased. Trust in God is neither naive or misplaced confidence, nor is it self-confidence. It is the human response to God's self-revelation. The plea for God to show me, teach me, guide me, is meant to encompass our whole lives. The ways of God are many moments of decisions and faithfulness. David is confident in the steadfast love of God throughout this psalm. He knew God would show him how to live faithfully in the world because of his unfailing love. His love is merciful, steadfast, and faithful. Verses 4 and 5 create a path for following Jesus more closely that's built on surrender and connectedness with the Father and humility. Show me. Following the ways of God starts with seeing what I don't see, looking at the world through God's eyes. Teach me, builds on that. Now that I'm seeing the world differently through your eyes, God, teach me how to live and guide me. That's the action. Walking forward, living out who God is, what He's about, and what He desires in the world. The specifics are going to vary and be different for every believer at different stages in their lives. Sometimes it's going to be extremely personal and intimate, dealing with the inner workings of our lives. Maybe you need God to show you, teach you, and guide you in dealing with bitterness or the roots of anger sometimes show me teach me guide me is external maybe you need god to show you the path he has for you regarding a job what school to put your child in or where to live all for the sake of living connected to him and honoring him we are not always guaranteed a specific answer But going to him with a surrendered heart and willingness to learn and follow him matters. A friend once said, The first step in making a decision is to have a heart in neutral before God. I am and have been experiencing this show me, teach me, guide me lifestyle shift in a very specific way in an internal and intimate way. A few years ago, I went to Israel with an organization named Telos. They're bridge builders, peacemakers, focused on building bridges and creating avenues of peace between Israelis and Palestinians. My eyes were opened on that trip in a way that I've only experienced a few times in my life. They were open to what true reconciliation looks like and creating new systems to live in with people who have been enemies for generations. And more than anything else, my eyes were open to my own ignorance as it relates to conflict, strife, prejudices, and injustices in the world, in my own country, and in my own context— Most recently, and more specifically, in the last six months, God has been showing me that specifically through the lens of racial injustice and inequality, how I view it and how I contribute to it. A few years ago, I got into an argument with a friend, a fellow pastor. We were arguing over whose calling was more important. It's so silly to say that out loud, uh, but it it's true. He couldn't understand why I didn't care more about racial justice, and I couldn't understand why he didn't care more about the next generation. As I've been observing and learning over the last few months, I've thought of that conversation often. I was hiding behind the veil that... Racial injustice and inequality was not my fight because it was not my specific calling. I now realize that my avoidance was wrong. It was wrong of me to think that it wasn't my fight. There are people hurting, being mistreated, losing their lives because the systems that we live in were not created for them to live in fairly, justly, and equally. And as someone who guides the next generation, I would be missing the heart of God if I didn't learn about injustice and the way God cares about it. It was wrong of me to not hear the cries of my black brothers and sisters and for not seeing my own privilege in the midst of it. I asked God to show me what I was missing regarding his kingdom, and he did. He is. I am being intentional about listening, about asking for help from people who know more than I do, have experienced more than I have, who see more than I do not turning away when something on the topic of race makes me uncomfortable. I am reading more authors of color and continuing to ask God to show, teach, and guide me along this path because I want to walk in his ways more deeply. The psalmist's prayer for guidance is for guidance and instruction. He needs to know not only the ways of God, but also to be made to walk in them. He cannot honestly pray to be directed on God's path without first dealing with his wanderings away from that path. And humble acknowledgement that he needs the Spirit of God to move within him, revealing to him where he's getting it wrong, where he doesn't understand where he can't see a clear path forward. Ephesians 4, and 23 says, When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on a new self created in the likeness of God. Beth Moore recently asked the question, what is the way of he who says he is the way, the truth, and the life? It is not merely theoretical or theological. The way of Jesus is actual. We are called to the invitation of his lifestyle. And that means we're going to experience growth. Growth that is rooted in the steadfast love of God. Our minds will be renewed as we walk forward in continual companionship with Jesus along the path. Asking God to show me, teach me, guide me is not simply about choosing the right road and being set for life. This psalm is one from a person in prayer, desiring that continual companionship from God. It's about trusting the guide and walking through life with him on his terms. Our congregation and our senior pastor search team are asking God to show us who the next senior pastor will be i work with many college students who are asking god to show them how to live for him and with him on a university campus i have a friend humbly sitting at the feet of jesus asking him to show her what honoring him in her dating life looks like i have another friend who just retired and is desperate for God to show her what her next purpose in life is. And I, along with many of you, am asking God to show me the prejudices I have, the ignorance towards what's it like to be black or brown in our community, and what action God may call to take alongside our friends. J.I. Packer writes, Not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down, can divine wisdom be ours. I want that divine wisdom. I want to walk in his ways, to know him more, to love like him, to see the world like he sees it, and to go where he calls me to go. That means I need to move from the back of the raft where the work was minimal to the front of the raft where the work is harder, but the guide is just as present and just as trustworthy. Trusting him means being shown, taught, and guided into action, following his ways in the world. Let's pray. God, we come before you humbly. We ask you to show us. Lord God, we ask you to teach us. We ask you to guide us in your ways and your truths. Thank you, God, for being a God who is a continual and constant companion on the journey of life. Thank you for being a God with steadfast love that covers us. God, may we come to you with open hands. And ask you to show us. In your name we pray. Amen.